Welcome to the Testimony Podcast, people of faith telling the stories that matter from their lives. I'm your host, Andrew Chamberlain, and I'm delighted that you can join us for this conversation. You can subscribe to the Testimony Podcast on all of the major podcast distributors and follow us on Twitter at TestimonyCast and Instagram at TestimonyPodcast. And welcome to episode 20 of the Testimony Podcast. This episode is a conversation with the entrepreneur and thought leader, Ruth Yamika Afalabi. Ruth is the leader of Magnify, a business and a movement that offers the opportunity to explore the Christian faith in an unpressurized, engaging and creative way. Ruth's own journey is marked by an experience of family grief and personal challenges that caused her to wrestle with her faith, explore her doubts and ultimately come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that changed her life. This is Ruth's story. Ruth, welcome to the Testimony Podcast. It's uh, it's great to be able to have a chance to, to chat to you this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be here. So I want to start off by just asking you a little bit about um, your childhood, your upbringing, um, and and how you came to form Magnify specifically as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about all that? Yes, yeah, so I'll try to do the short version today. <laughs> um, so yeah, grew up in an amazing household. My parents are committed Christians. My absolute best friends speak to them about three times a day still, even though I'm married. Um, and yeah, had a really lovely childhood. I think what I really liked is obviously they raised my brother and I in a Christian home and we were a youth group on Friday in church on Sunday, but they always made it very clear that becoming a Christian was a personal decision we both had to make that, you know, we're not Christians just because our parents are Christians. Yes. Um, also being Nigerian, Christianity is obviously very big culturally. Um, they were like, that isn't what makes you a Christian. You would have to make that decision for yourself. Um, so I think growing up, I never felt pressured into it, but definitely liked, um, yeah, particularly youth group was always fun on Fridays. It, it, wasn't, mm. <laughs> it wasn't very arduous. Um, but sadly, between 2000 um, five in 2007 I lost three people in my family um, and I think that was such a shock because as I said I'd had an amazing childhood um, yeah. obviously no childhood is perfect but never experienced anything that was remotely traumatic um, so yeah I think from my grandma who was the absolute rock of our family along with my grandfather um, and then my aunt who was 33 who just got married and just become a Christian and then my uncle two weeks before I started at Durham I think it just felt that there was just so much happening in such quick succession, having spent, yeah, 17 years of my life never experiencing anything bad. It all came very, very quick. Um, So went to Durham um, two weeks after I lost my uncle. um, And I think for me, I was wouldn't even say I was sheltered but definitely I never felt any reason to rebel against Christian values in any sense but then got to university and was kind of like I'm really an all-or-nothing person and God I feel like I've given you my life and this is kind of what you've done in return that I'm just going to go off and do my own thing um so the first term kind of was just yeah very much living the student lifestyle um I would say it was fun it wasn't particularly fulfilling but I think for me my outward actions were just a way to say that I'm going to do life on my own terms um, but then came back in the Christmas holidays of first term and felt like a light just switched on in my head and I realized that a true faith couldn't be dependent on whether things always went well because the Bible never promised us that because we're Christians we're going to have a perfect life and I felt that 
yeah, it was just the most amazing time to feel like I was growing in a relationship of Jesus Christ on my own, not based on my parents or familial surroundings or whatever. Um, and very much, yeah, I think a lot of people when they first come to faith, you just can't wait to tell everyone. And I was like that, literally wanted to tell everybody that I'd ever met. Um, and having gone to an all-girls school, obviously lots of my friends were women. So came back and I felt that, yeah, I really wanted to give my friends the opportunity, whether they make a decision, that's totally up to them, but at least to explore the true meaning of Christianity. Yeah. Um, and I guess from a lot of circles that I'd grown up in, one of my frustrations was it always felt that Christianity was portrayed in a very specific way. And like you had to be a specific type of person or go into a specific type of industry or career, which was very different to a lot of what my friends, yeah, felt drawn to or had skills to be in um so magnify was started didn't have a name but really just with a vision to share the gospel message with people outside of the four walls of the church so started mm -hmm. the first event was february 9th um 2009 so when i was 19 in durham and yeah we've been going for 12 and a half years have expanded um and the vision i always say is to change the narrative of the christian faith through media um so from events we then moved on to digital content to print content um to a whole range of social content now which is yeah been a really amazing and exciting journey so could you tell us a little bit more about that? I'm really interested to hear how you're using different media and um, perhaps social media and different kinds of, of ways in which to, to present the faith. So how does that actually work? What do you, what do, what do, you do? Um, so I think for us at the core, we always say telling stories. And I guess in the Christian community, we'd say testimonies is at the mm -hmm. heart of what we do, showing mm -hmm. who God is through the lives of people that our audience can relate to. Um, because I think, again, there's nothing wrong, but say if I were standing on the street screaming the gospel message to people I'm sure some people do come to faith that way um, but for a lot of our audience they might not be able to connect or relate mm. to that because yeah they might might not even know that they are looking for you know a faith or to know their creator in the first place so for us starting with stories um, and people that the average person the average member of our audience can relate to even from a life perspective or maybe work or industry perspective we find that that is a lot more of a relatable way for the people that we've been called to serve um, so really through all of our media whether it's the podcast or through Instagram or through the print magazine it's sharing although we do have some articles we've seen that for us the most powerful thing we do on each platform in different ways is to share um, testimonies of Christians who are talking about their faith being at their core but in a variety of areas in their life so whether it's relationships or going through a grieving process or their business or um, being in an industry or discovering their identity or mental health or social justice whatever it may be um, yeah we found that that's been really powerful for the people mm. that we've been called to serve. Mm. Okay and there seem to be when I was looking at the kind of work you do and the things you're called to there's like these these three things come up which is faith feminism and fashion um do you want to tell me a little bit about how those three work and how they work together then 
yeah, so it's always an interesting thing because I think that, number one, as human beings, a lot of us might have been exposed to extremes of any three of those words. So <laughs> it's interesting talking to different groups. Some people take issue with the faith, some people take issue with the feminism, others the fashion. Um, I think for me, I remember maybe now about seven or eight years ago trying to ask God, like, you know, if it's a line or how can we really sum up what we're trying to do? the way I always say is our faith is the core and the foundation of what we do it's the reason why we exist if that wasn't part of Magnify I definitely wouldn't be excited about it or doing it so yeah at our core is we are trying to change the narrative of the Christian faith and show we're not trying to change the Christian faith it is what it is as it says in the Bible Um, but for a lot of people sadly their perception or understanding of faith is shaped through mainstream media or bad experiences that they've had maybe with yeah you know, Christians are not perfect people either. Um, so, yeah, I think for us, faith is the foundation. We say feminism for me is really about celebrating and empowering women. We are not in any way trying to say that we are better than men or we are anti-men, but really placing value upon women in the same way that we see in the Bible. And so for us at its core, it's celebrating women, whether in any stage of life they're in, um, any sphere that they're in. I think growing up in church, one of my frustrations was often only hearing from women who were the vicar's wife or the worship leader's wife. And obviously there's nothing wrong with that. But I think sometimes for me, it placed a pressure on me when I was 16, being like, oh, I need to be somebody's wife in order to, you know, make sure I understand that God has a purpose for my life, which is obviously not true, whether you're married, single, divorced, dating, whatever. Um, So for us, it is about championing women in different spheres and different Mm -hmm. seasons of their life. Um, And then the fashion really is an expression of creativity and it's how we present, um, you know, the magazine and um, yeah, a lot of our visuals, there's clearly a very striking aesthetic which is more an expression of creativity but clearly fashion is part of what we do as well but we are not a fashion magazine or Christian Vogue as some people like to say which irks me to to my core I love Vogue but yeah we don't want to be a copy of anything else we are our own thing yes yeah okay I want to ask if you could share with us two or three occasions then in your life where you felt that Jesus has really been a companion to you and that could be because you've been um, really struggling with something or in, in pain with something or or joyful about something or maybe when you came to faith or whatever it is but you've really felt like God has engaged with you particularly. So I think one of the first times obviously was not first times but one of the most memorable is obviously going through the period of grieving um, And in a way, I think that God is a companion to us, even if we're in a place where we can't fully receive that. Um, But when I look back now, I just don't, the fact that I even survived as a person and as a family, losing so many people, you know, even when still till this day, it's, you know, 14 years on from losing my grandma. Even when I tell people the story, they're just like, they can't even imagine how you could have gone through that as a family and still come out stronger. And the fact that me and so many of my cousins still came to faith as a result of all that we experienced. Um, so I think looking back, just really knowing that God was with me and watching over my family and I, um, and just especially when I came to faith, seeing him as a companion who was able to carry my burden and lift the sense of fear. Because one of the biggest things for me was I remember anytime my parents would call, my immediate reaction would be, is everyone okay? Is anyone died? Is is, is everything mm. okay? Because mm. having 
you know, gone through that where, you know, in such a short space of time, every call that you received was this person's got cancer or sadly this person's passed away. I think just being able to come out of that strong in my faith and with a real sense of purpose and vision of, of, about my life and what God had called me to, I know that God was really watching over me during that time um, in a way that, yeah, I will always be, you know, every day is a journey with the Lord, but incredibly grateful for seeing me through what was one of the darkest periods in my life. And even now I can't actually imagine that we went through that. It almost seems like a different lifetime ago, although our lives changed irrecoverably. I think another time, um, just seeing God guide me and just his sense of peace was, I met my husband six years ago. Um, And yeah, for a lot of young people, I think you can often wonder like, when will you meet um, your person or your spouse, if that's something that you desire. Um, But really from day one, just feeling that sense of peace in our relationship that one, God had brought us together and also brought us together for a much bigger purpose than just ourselves, which was draw people to him. Um, So yeah, those are two of some of the biggest examples of knowing Christ as a companion in my life. So just to just to come back to the this issue of grieving, because this has obviously been a substantial issue, you know, in your in your family's life, I suppose. So can you just remind me about how what was the period of time over which you lost those three family members? So 2005 to 2007, so around 18 to 20 months was when everything happened. And yeah, I would have been Oh, trying to remember my age. So I would have been 16, I think, when I lost my grandma and then mm. 17 or 18 when I lost my uncle. Um, and yeah, my aunt was my best friend. I was her maid of honour at her wedding. Um, so yeah, the fact that I'm 33 now, if any of my friends passed away, it just feels like such a young age. Um, and just, yeah, obviously I got married three years ago. So thinking that when you've got married and you you're excited to start a life with somebody it just seems so yeah unbelievably tragic especially the fact that she came to faith that then a year later she went to be with the lord but i think that also has driven me in an amazing way where i always think back to when i started magnifying a lot of people used to say oh you're so young like you know you haven't been a christian you haven't been to seminary school theological school that i think losing someone so young i was like at the end of the day the only thing that actually matters is people having heard the good news and accepted that into their life i do not want to wait till i'm 80 years old you know you can obviously still evangelize at 80 years old um but i think losing my aunt particularly at such a young age it was always yeah i would have never understood it at the time but clearly part of god's divine plan because i think that that encouraged me to have a sense of urgency in pursuing this vision as opposed to saying you know, God has given me this vision, but I'm going to wait till I'm comfortable, until I'm a lot older, until I know absolutely everything in the Bible before I get on with what I've been called to do. So that's interesting, actually. So do you think your experiences did then give you a sense of don't wait till tomorrow, get on with it now, get on with it? There's the the time, you just never know, do you, I guess, when, when you might not having you might not have another opportunity to talk to somebody and stuff like that most definitely and I think like although we use it as a cliche phrase that you know tomorrow's not promised I think just as human beings we still act like it is and we just you know take it for granted that we will yes. be here and I you know obviously people did lose family members but before I lost my aunt I didn't even 
really at that age at 17 or 18 understand that people do die so young um it was yeah a real shock to the system having someone who you were so close to because although my aunt was 16 years younger than me so my mom's younger sister she was like a second mom stroke big sister that was the type of relationship we had so yeah looking back I definitely see that I would have never wanted this to have happened to my family it was totally devastating but seeing that good has come out of that in a way is a yeah something that does drive me on and something that I'm incredibly Mm. grateful that I've been able to come out the other side and see yeah God's purpose in the midst of so much pain and it sounds like all of that experience caused you to feel a bit of whether you want to call it resentment or anger at God or, or, or a kind of, well, if you're going to treat me like that, God, I'm just going to go and do my own thing. Um, so did you, and you say you had a term in Durham where you kind of just did your own thing then and you just, I mean, you know, just had a wild time or whatever. Um, did you have any sense of God engaging with you during that term? Or do you think he, did he just kind of let you, get out of your system or do your thing how, how did that work um I mean it's hard to say obviously because I'm not God but I definitely remember that some of my experiences with Christians in that time definitely put me off even further really? in terms of I think one thing we need to get better at the, as the church the big C is having some emotional empathy and emotional intelligence when people are explaining to us the hard times that they have been through because you know people would always quote quote Romans 8 28 to me when I would say that I'm finding it difficult to engage with Christianity or people would say everything happens for a reason and obviously now I've explained to you 15 years or 14 years on that I can see that there was some purpose in that but that's not something you say to somebody when they have just lost a family (laughs) a family Mm. member they're not really going to be able to see that at the time um so yeah I, I because I'm not God I'm not able to say but I think for me it also caused me to feel passionate and particularly with the work we do at Magnify is to stop giving people blanket answers because life is nuanced the life is complicated um and I think there's that funny meme that goes around that says like you know when you're in Sunday school Jesus is always the answer and I think sometimes Christians that's what you want to say to people is if they say you know they've gone through a divorce or they've lost their home or they've become redundant the answer is always oh well God has a plan and yes God does have a plan but it doesn't negate the reality and challenges that people might be facing in that present time Um, and I think to deny that particularly when you have a mission like ours, which is heavily evangelistic focus, isn't helpful because I've always been acutely aware that we, and it's a balance, we definitely don't get it perfect or right all the time. No organisation does. But I think we have to be very careful of always sharing testimonies when it has worked out perfectly at the Mm -hmm. end, because for some people, it's that they lose family members and that changes their life forever. I will never be the same as I was prior to 20, 2007. Some people, they lose jobs and their life completely changes. Some people, mm. they get divorced and it's it's not their fault. It's their partner that's taken that decision and their life will change. And so I think it's important as Christians in the midst of, yes, saying that the gospel is life transforming to not negate the fact that, you know, we still live on earth and on earth, there are still challenges that we will face, whether we know God or not. Mm. Yeah. I mean, what the things you're saying remind me of, um, like 
in the Old Testament, there's a whole bunch of, of examples of people getting really grumpy with God and upset. And, and the, you know, the, the psalmist writing stuff about why have you forsaken me and people doing like lamenting. And I just wonder whether you feel you're, you're kind of tapping into some godly divine biblical traditions, which have got a little bit forgotten about when we're all kind of trying to say life is great and actually it isn't, we've got to kind of engage with God or help people engage in a way when life is not great. Yeah. And I think I wouldn't even take credit for that by saying it's by being any design, but I guess that one of the things, again, growing up in church my entire life is sometimes you'd look at people, you know, whether it's the pastors or people giving their testimony, wonder, are you a bad Christian? Because they <laughs> seem to just be talking about how life is just so wonderful. Like when people say, you know, I've just lost my job and I've lost my house, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I'm looking at them like, God, I, I don't want that to, to happen to, to me, <laughs> even as excited as they sound to, yeah. you know, to now be yeah. outside. So I think, yeah, it's... It's also been part of my personality, even just with my friends, but also I guess my spiritual journey is wanting to be as real and vulnerable as possible. Because I remember, um, I think it was Nikki Gumbel said one time that people connect, people know you for your strengths, but they connect with you through your vulnerabilities. Um, and I think that that's a really powerful thing where, yeah, I think just as the church as a whole, sometimes we worry too much about other Christians not thinking that we're a strong enough Christian if we say that actually I'm experiencing this or I'm struggling with this or I'm having a really hard time in this area but I think that that doesn't help us to deal with you know God is a big God and he was more than able to cater for our doubt or to mm. you know when when we are going through difficult times or facing great challenges so I think for me that's just also how I am as a person and also the type of people that I connect with if people tell me their life is perfect I'm not always able to you know I obviously I'm, I want to be happy for them <laughs> if their life truly is perfect I'd love them to share the secret but um yeah I'm not always able to massively connect in a deep and meaningful way and so I think I've tried to channel some of the things that I have sometimes found hard in church in order yeah try to channel that in a positive way because I love sports so I always use a lot of sporting analogies mm. but one of the things is like if you're in the stands and you're complaining about people on the field that's not actually going to do anything just shouting from the sidelines and so with magnify or anything else that I've done I've always tried to limit complaining if I'm not actually trying to make a difference in that area. I wonder if you think there's a particular challenge for women with this I mean, and I genuinely don't know the answer to this, but I want to ask you to see what you say about it. Mm -hmm. um, how does this work out? This kind of pressure to be all together and shiny and great and everything's fine. Mm -hmm. Is that a thing particularly for women? How can how can women actually profess truth about this stuff rather than try and pretend or feel forced into pretending? Well, I think it's interesting. Look, like when I look from our parents' generation to ours, I feel like sometimes generations go from one extreme to the other from what I've seen in history in terms of say previous generations women might have felt limited by their opportunities or that they only had one or two choices and obviously now in today's society women have so many choices and while I think that can be amazing I think sometimes that has added a huge layer of frustration and pressure because you're now thinking that you can do absolutely everything and that also you know you can be 
an amazing CEO of a huge company, you can be also, you know, cleaning and cooking every night for your kids. You can be at the school, whatever. You can be with your girlfriends, you know, every weekend. You can also, you know, be the fittest person and be vegan and be all of these different things and super healthy. And so I think that we've also gone to a bit of another extreme where we're feeling pressure from all the different options that we have available to us. And that's why I think an understanding of purpose is really what sets people free because I'm not a mother yet, but even using the example, we did an event a few months ago with an amazing woman who runs a business for mothers. And someone had asked her, like, you know, I'm a career woman and I feel like I'm being a bad mum because, yeah, just I'm a corporate lawyer. My career is very intense. And she was saying in life, it's all about deciding the type of person you want to be, because, you know, they're also stay at home mothers who are not great mothers either. That's not it's not being at home all the time or being in the office the majority of the time that makes you good or bad this or that is actually being intentional and having an understanding of where you've been called to but all the other things in your life trying to be intentional and serve the people yeah that God has called you to whether it's your family or your friends or your workplace as best as you can um so I think for me one of the ways I would say women can relieve themselves and men of this pressure is just by understanding one that there are seasons in life there are seasons for different things where different things will be you know you still have your priorities God you know if you're married your spouse then your nuclear family and so on and so forth but understanding that if you understand your purpose that really does help you trying to avoid being everything and every everything and everywhere to everyone so some people I, I completely agree with you about what you're saying here but some people I think really struggle Christians I'm talking about here like they'll say well, I don't know what my purpose is or there's so much stuff and I don't oh, I don't feel good at anything or what what kind of advice and support and encouragement can you give to somebody perhaps particularly a younger person who's really they're feeling buffeted by the culture and they just don't know what they're calling or what their thing might be. So I think the first thing is just to spend time in God's word and in his presence. Um, I think also something that has set me free is understanding that purpose is not a fixed thing necessarily for everyone. Do you know what I mean? Some people might discover their purpose when they're 15 and they never change and that is what it is. But for other people, purpose might look different in different seasons. And also it doesn't always have to be this like glamorous and huge and notable thing that isn't just the definition of purpose I think sadly in today's world even in the church we've we've refashioned purpose to meaning you know I'm then really known at what I do or what I'm doing is impacting thousands and millions of people there's purpose to be found in each and every day um, and I think for me one of the prayers I always say at the beginning of the day is Lord what would you have me do for today um, it's sometimes hard as naturally as a person I'm a real planner I like to you know I'd like to if God could give me like the 20 year outline of my life I'd be <laughs> you know feel very or to be honest maybe he knows I wouldn't be able to handle that but yeah I think for me my encouragement is to know that purpose there's purpose to be found in each day and as you do what's in front of you each day I think that that is often how God reveals it to you so with Magnify I would have never expected to be running an organization like this but looking back from when I was younger 
my dad from like the age of four or five I would be on his Mac computers he told me I remember the one with the like colors when Apple had the like colors um filters on on the laptops um when I was in youth group I remember I used to do this newsletter called connected it was like I do it on clip art and my dad would take me to the news agent on Saturday afternoons to print it off to take to the youth on at church on Sunday and obviously at that time I would have never known that that was obviously seeds were being sown for me to be an editor you know 10-15 years down the line Um, So I think, yeah, I wouldn't overly, even though the world tells us that, you know, we need to know our our purpose now. And clearly in our generation, because of media and social media, we're often used to hearing people be very successful at such a young age which I think puts a lot of pressure on young people because you're feeling gosh if this person has built a 10 million pound business at 25 and I'm 22 and I don't know what I'm doing like am I lost or am I wasting my time um those people are outliers that's not normal life but equally for those of us who are not doing those things there's purpose to be found in each day I want to come back to what you said about story as well because you you said something to the effect that actually story is is a really important part of what you guys are doing so I wonder, I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about what you think what 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 is the power of story and how do you use stories in your in your calling and ministry I think for us the power of stories it contextualizes the gospel message through people that people can understand um, and also piques interest in people in a way where they might not have been knowing what they were searching for but somebody else articulates that so an example was after an event someone wrote to us and said that someone had explained how they had um gone on like a christian exploration course at a local church and ended up becoming a christian and they were the person at the event was explaining how they went on it because they'd felt like they were in search of something so initially they thought it was a relationship and then they got into a relationship and actually it it wasn't that then they got promotion and more money and you know again they were looking for peace and fulfillment and that didn't Mm. come from that and so the person was sharing at the event that they were trying all these different things to try to find purpose and meaning in their life and it was only when they did the Christianity the exploration course of Christianity at a local church that a friend invited them to so the lady a different lady wrote to us who'd attended and said that that person sharing their story I don't even know how to explain it she said but she's articulated everything I've been feeling Mm. and now I too am going to look for a similar course where I live um Whereas if we just announce like you need to do a course to find out about Christianity, I'm not sure that that would have been the entry point that would have made that person think, you know what, actually, maybe I should try that. So I think stories are incredibly powerful because hearing other people's stories, it often means that they are able to articulate things that we are experiencing that we have not even articulated to ourselves or to those around us. Um, So for us, that's just an incredibly powerful tool. Um, And I I think we have a balance which I think is important in stories that show more challenge and also stories that are aspirational and um, because I guess something that has again if I talk about being on the sidelines a little frustration with growing up in church is often the stories were kind of like I had absolutely nothing and I had no hope in life and no future and then I came to know God and that is amazing as well and incredible but 
I guess I always felt a burden for those who were around me, who I went to school with or university with. And the entry point for them was not always that they had nothing. It was actually sometimes that they had too much and in that they were not able to find fulfillment or purpose in any of that. Mm. So now they're looking for something that can give them true and lasting purpose and peace and meaning um so I think for us we're very acutely aware of who our audience is so therefore we tell stories that are going to engage with our audience and you know I've spoken to so many leaders of different Christian organizations I think sometimes in the Christian world we get very offended by the idea of having a target audience because people are like no 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 the gospel message is for everyone and we want to reach everyone Mm. but that is why there are many many different Christian organizations because there are many many different types of people Um, and I think if anything with Magnify we've also got very comfortable to knowing there are millions of people in our millions of women in our target demographic but they are hugely underserved community by the church in general and so yeah we're never going to fold to pressure that's like you know but you should be reaching this type of person or this type of person it's like well no actually there should be loads of different organizations who are already reaching those people we need to reach those that we've been called to serve and so that's why we find stories that will engage to those people so yeah I think also doing this over the last 12 and a half years we've in a way that I say completely humbly become comfortable to being obedient to what God has actually asked us to do um and in that yeah stories have been incredibly powerful and it sounds a bit like you're like when you go on your website you talk about you exist to change the narrative of faith through media so in fact you're doing that some of these stories by the sound of it and and absolutely should be going after you serve the people you're called to serve, don't you? And, and that's it. You're not called to serve some other people. And that's fine. Totally get that. It reminds me as well of this, because um, I, I enjoy writing. And then there's, there's, a, there's a phrase, you may have heard it actually, that writers use called show, don't tell. Um, I don't know whether you've come across that or heard that yeah. one, have you? Yeah. And, and it's totally like, yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> kind of show them the thing and, and be authentic with it, which is, which is great. Um, I wondered if there was anything else you could think of, which was like an incident where you've just felt like Jesus has been with you through something, and, and you know, and maybe you've come on, un- you've you've come under pressure about some stuff, or there's been something going on, and you've needed to lean on Him, or you've needed to just feel His guidance. Definitely. So um, now I'm a lot more again having an understanding of my purpose a lot more cautious when I do media interviews just because yes on the one hand you do want to get the message out to to environments that it hasn't been shared but also knowing that in media some people have an agenda (laughs) um, when they are looking for a Christian to you know fit into that and then to be able to further propagate their already negative view of Christianity um so I won't name the name but it was a major news channel who asked me to be part of an interview series um so I said like you know totally honored but would it be possible to send me the questions beforehand and I know even with Magnify partly because you want interviews to sound natural it's not always helpful to give like a run run down complete list of questions so I said you know if that's not possible that's totally fine just on this occasion I won't be able to do the interview Mm. um so like no no no, more than happy to send you the questions and the interview was supposed to have a very specific focus anyway I then got to the interview and then um you know did those four questions it was fine and then the producer was like 
sorry, just so random, but just out of the blue, we've just remembered this this question, which is obviously <laughs> on like the most controversial that people like to talk about and I and I felt bad because there were 30 people so it was very 30 people on set like the crew different sound engineers lighting engineers it was a very intense environment where probably I was the only Christian on set um and I just felt this peace come over me that I knew was the Lord saying just stand your ground and be gracious so I said you know mm. I'm so, so sorry I just don't want to be a difficult person like as an editor that's the last thing but I just felt that out of honour, I had specifically asked if I could have the questions. And so I don't really understand why a question has just come up that mm. you know, has just been remembered that is like the most controversial thing in regards to the Christian faith that mainstream media likes to focus on. Secondly, I'm not here as a spokesman for the whole of the church in the UK. I was asked to talk about my experience of Christianity and my mm. view of faith. Mm. And you're asking me a broad question on why does the church engage or not engage in this specific issue? And I think I've also understood with Magnify I have my own personal views. I have a very evangelical view about the Bible and the world. But I also know my place is not necessarily to be wading into controversial things for the sake of it. That's It's not who I am as a person. And I also think in today's world, media, when people only want to get a 15 second clip to turn into a social media soundbite, is not the place to be having complicated, nuanced and painful discussions. Um, so you can see she was like, but it's just one question. And I was like, I totally get it's only one question. But, you know, as I said before, we discussed that we would have the questions on the specific topic that I've been asked to. Mm. And then it turned into a case of, well, can we, can you ask us the question? And I was like, well, again, I've been asked to be interviewed. Why would I suddenly start asking you questions <laughs> in the middle of the interview? Mm. Um, and in the end, they were just like, well, fine, we'll just wrap up. And clearly we're in a very bad mood. Um, but what was amazing was then ended up having some amazing conversations with the crew and stayed for like 45 minutes after. Mm. I mean, the editor didn't actually, you know, the producer didn't even say bye to me at the end. I think they were sufficiently irritated <laughs> that I had on question but I saw it as such an amazing opportunity because then I was able to say at the end of the day I take the responsibility to be an ambassador of Christ very seriously and I think that as well with Christians sometimes we can be so desperate to share our point of view that you don't act Christ-like in that and I would I know that a lot of these issues have brought a lot of pain to people particularly the way that they're communicated or engaged with um so I do not think that you know a mainstream interview that's going to be edited into such a short space of time is the is the area to be discussing things that are complicated and are very important and personal to people. Um, and I think then just having that conversation with people offset, I realised there's a place and time for everything. And some leaders, you know, they are called to be, you know, more of the flag bearers for wading into, you know, certain perspectives. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting um, time where I just knew that the Lord was with me and instructing mm -hmm. my steps and also as much as possible, I always try to be gracious to those, even those who disagree. The very fact that you're a Christian, we know the Bible tells us that will, will cause offence to some people. But I think in as much as we know that, still trying to show compassion and empathy for those who will not even, yeah, kind of let people be and have different views to them. I mean, that, that all makes sense. It's interesting. It's, there are those moments when you just feel like you need the Holy Spirit to guide you, don't you, and give you that kind of cue. Almost like, I suppose, is it Peter, isn't it? I think they're speaking mm. to the, the Jewish leaders and the spirit guides him. 
something like that and and you kind of want that day and I think as well it's also been why I think sometimes like our culture's view of promoting yourself or promoting your organization is to do your own PR and to be speaking left right and center and I think I've also just become very sensitive to the Holy Spirit even when amazing opportunities to be profiled in this publication on this platform come Mm. I'm Mm. always very careful to ask for discernment so Mm. that you are not yeah just exposing yourself and then saying to God oh why has this happened to me but did God ask you to be going (laughs) to that place in the first place (laughs) and now you're upset Um, so I think for me I've also been understanding of this is God's vision at the end of the day I do not need to speak and be profiled absolutely everywhere that I'm asked to do so and I think also it's showing wisdom when you know that people have a specific agenda I don't you you just know from the from the jump that they're not going to give you they're not even going to be fair in letting you explain or have a new nuanced view whether it's in christian media it also happens but also mainstream media so i think nowadays i'm just a lot more cautious and always asking god to give me wisdom as to where Mm. i do speak and what to say and i could well understand why why you would need to do that (laughs) Um, are there any other are there any other instances you want to talk about any any other occasions where you've just felt uh god's grace with you jesus's companionship just the presence of god supporting you through some stuff i think to be honest it's every day with this type of vision because if yeah sometimes i ask god like could i not just have had a regular job i genuinely god i wouldn't have complained if i just had a normal job um and yeah i think sometimes this vision leading this can feel so lonely i know a lot of leaders loneliness is a huge you know thing because you know your team you want to serve them and keep them uplifted you don't want to be going in every day with these <laughs> all the challenges that you face as a leader um i think yeah. also being and I say it in a, in a complete spirit of humility, being a vision that is at the intersection of faith that is pioneering something different. That's also hard because, mm. you know, you'd love to have the support of everyone in the Christian community. We do not have that. Equally in the world, a lot of people do not like the idea that you are sharing faith because people don't like faith, particularly Christianity. Um, so I think sometimes for me, it feels very hard, but knowing every day that the Lord is with me and that he's called me to do this. Um, I know that's not a specific incident. It's kind of a daily thing, but I think I definitely feel a huge way of responsibility leading this vision, but asking God to take that burden so I feel joy in leading this as well. Um, but it's definitely... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if I were, you know, had a humanitarian charity, I don't think that many people would not like you doing that because at the end of the day, whether you're Christian or you're atheist or whatever you are, everyone can kind of get on board with those things that seem to be helping people in a way that doesn't offend anybody. Um, But yeah, I think for me, it's just a daily thing with this type of vision. Yeah, and I guess it, it makes me wonder if there's something that you could say to people listening to this who feel exposed by their faith isolated maybe they're in a place where there aren't many other christians or maybe they have a they have a burden to bear maybe they have got a leadership burden like you have and and it can feel like it's a weight and it can feel lonely and i just wonder what what you can say from the things you've learned to people in that position 
I think the first thing is don't over-spiritualise getting support. So whether that's through therapy or through coaching, to me, both therapy and coaching have been two of the most instrumental things. I'm really shocked that we don't speak about this more um, in the church, but, you know, to Christian leaders, because I think that sometimes we want to over-spiritualise things or people's response to you struggling is, oh, I'll pray for you. We all know as well, often people just say that and they have no <laughs> no intention of adding you to any personal prayer list. Um, so yeah, I think for me, one of the things is there are professionals for a reason to support leaders or you know, even Christians who are not leading ministries, but who just feel isolated or lonely in their place of work or within their family. I think professional help it probably sounds like a weird first answer to give, but I think is incredibly important Mm -hmm. and having environments that you can, um, yeah, environments where you can actually feel safe to be vulnerable and to be open. Um, I think the other thing, you know, in addition to the spiritual disciplines, which go without saying, is learning to find out what refreshes you. And, you know, whether for some people it's sport or for other people it's spending time with friends or taking a break. Um, And I think the third thing is, as Christians, understanding that this is not our home. Um, And the reason I didn't want to give that answer first is a lot of people listening will know that. And sometimes we discount that. But And, you know, when life is hard on earth, it can be hard to think, well, this isn't my home anyway, even though I'm completely Mm. struggling. Um, Mm. But I think, yeah, that's the thing that I've realised over the last few years is that when you're facing opposition or facing challenge, I would love to say that there's an easy route out of that. Sometimes there just isn't. That is the reality of being a Christian in in the world that we live in. Um, I think, yeah, the thing that gives me comfort is having an eternal perspective um, and understanding that God is with you and he's for you. Um, Yeah, I'm not trying to underplay it, but I think when it comes down to it, it's core. That's the reality of maturing in our faith and understanding that the way, even when I look at Magnify starting 12 years ago and how different the world is in today's world, some things that were, you know, in in 2009, I felt that you could say that you were Christian. People might be like, oh, that's a bit weird or, you know, why are you wasting your time? But it was no big thing to them. They just said they thought you were weird and they moved on with life. Now we clearly live in a very, very different climate. Um, so I think that's the thing is it is I am aware of the reality of the the challenges we face in modern culture of being a person of faith. But yeah, remembering that ultimately this earth is not our final destination, I think is a source of comfort and encouragement. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, and I mean, that, those are great answers. I think I, I like the thing about therapy and counseling and all that, actually that totally should be a thing on the agenda. It totally should be. And, and there's a variety of things that people of faith can do, isn't there? But people can get spiritual direction people can get professional help all kinds of stuff and I think the fact that that's more a thing now is a really good really healthy thing actually but is there anything else you want to say would be like actually here's an important thing for you guys to remember I think the biggest thing you know obviously a lot of today has been about the vision that I lead and magnify but knowing that what I do is not who I am I think for me has Mm. been incredibly liberating as a leader Mm. Um, Because even yet, when I spoke about counselling and different things, I think that's one of the things that I've loved so much about having support. And even when I felt pressure is understanding 
the first, this is a God-given vision. So I didn't wake up one day and say that I want to start this organisation. And so for all of us to trust that God is more than able to carry the burden of the visions that we lead if you are leading a vision um i think for me has really released a lot of pressure so that in my day-to-day i'm able to be passionate to be focused to be a visionary but to also release the vision and entrust it into god's hands because i know that the success or growth or whatever doesn't define who i am as a person is something Mm. that for me has been incredibly important and incredibly freeing so uh, to use a phrase that I love, I guess, in a sense, God loves you more than he loves your ministry. Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Just to finish, I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about a little bit more about Magnify and how people can find it, because we've been referring referring to this during the course of the conversation. Some people may want to go and check you guys out. Definitely. So you can go to our website, which is magnifycollective.com. And there you can buy the magazine, read blog posts, find out about our podcast. Our podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. And then obviously on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, we're at Magnify Collective. Brilliant. Ruth, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you for listening to the Testimony Podcast. You can subscribe to the Testimony Podcast on all of the major podcast distributors and follow us on Twitter at TestimonyCast and Instagram at TestimonyPodcast. If you want to find out more about the Christian faith and connect with someone to talk about your experiences or answer your questions, just go to www.christianity.org.uk from wherever you are in the world. That's www.christianity.org.uk christianity.org.uk I look forward to sharing more of the stories that matter from people of faith with you soon. Until then, thank you for listening and goodbye.